0: That's investher, H-E-R, con.com, promo code 100, best ever to get $100 off your ticket.
1: I realized you're actually better off having the contractors as independent contractors get multiple quotes, make sure they understand they're not always going to have a job here. They got to give us good production, good service, and show up on time and get the job done properly.
0: Before we get into it, I want to introduce you to Groundbreaker, today's sponsor and partner. They are an all-in-one suite of tools for small to medium-sized real estate syndicators. They've got a special focus on real estate syndicators with 1 million to 100 million assets under management. They help you increase productivity For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, today's guest is being interviewed by Theo Hicks. You know, Theo, he's with us every Friday on Follow Along Friday. You're going to get a lot of value from this conversation. So with that being said, let's get
2: going. Hello, best ever listeners, and welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Theo Hicks, today's host. And today we are speaking with Aaron Fragnito. Aaron, how are you doing today?
1: Very good, Theo. How are you doing today?
2: I'm doing great. Thanks for joining us. Looking forward to learning more about what you've got going on. But before we get into that, let's talk about Aaron's background. So he's a co-founder of People's Capital Group, PCG. He's the host of New Jersey Real Estate Network and is a licensed realtor in New Jersey, as well as a full-time real estate investor. He has completed over 250 real estate transactions, totaling more than $40 million. This has included over 50 fix and flips, over hundred whole sales and he currently manages an eight figure portfolio of private real estate holdings. PCG also works with qualified investors to create passive returns through local commercial real estate. You can learn more about his company at peoplescapitalgroup.com. So Aaron, do you mind telling us a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on today? Sure. So I got
1: started in real estate about 10 years ago. Initially, I was turned on to it by Rich Dad, Poor Dad, of course. I'm sure everyone says that same story. I hear it all the time. So I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad around senior year of high school. I was an entrepreneur major at Rowan University. Wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do with my life, but I figured out I did have a passion for real estate. And after reading that book, I recognized that the tax code is actually in favor of people who pay themselves through ownership of real estate. So I figured that out. And then I started reading. David Lindahl and Trump University, and I think I even looked into some Joe Fairless stuff at the time. About ten years ago, Joe was kind of getting started, but syndication space was kind of really new then as well. So I knew I wanted to own a lot of real estate and want to make passive cash flow through it, but just didn't know how to get there. So I made a list and I said, okay, I want to own ten million dollars in real estate of a net worth of a million with hundred thousand dollars passive cash flow in ten years. So that's about ten years ago. That was my goal. And I wrote it down. I said, okay, well, I'm going to work backwards here. I need to make connections, learn the industry, save some money, figure out how real estate syndication is created and run. And to do that, I said, well, maybe I'll get my real estate license to start. So at the time, I actually moved out to Colorado to teach kids how to ski for six months after I graduated from college, read a bunch of books on how to start a real estate an investment company. They all made it look so easy. Moved back to Jersey, got my real estate license and started executing on that plan made a lot of mistakes, teamed up with the wrong people for my first fix and flip, lost a little money, did a lot of the wrong things, didn't do the right due diligence, hired the wrong contractors. You know, I got tons of stories, hired the wrong management companies, getting started, ended up having to develop our own management company. But a couple of years into the business, working as a realtor, you know, learning short sales, I started to make some money. And I started working with Seth Martinez, who is my business partner today. And we really complement each other's strengths and weaknesses. So he's great at operations and management of the real estate and improving our systems and strategies here in our business. And I'm more in the branding and fundraiser investor relationship side. So we worked really well together. We bought a 6 family from a We Buy House assigned that used to work really well that I would staple on telephone poles and a suit and tie in the middle of summer. And I get a bunch of listings and, and deals with those We Buy House signs. And So we found a six-family back in 2013 or so. bought it for about 220, put 50 into it, bought, renovate, refinanced out. It appraised for well over 400, got our money back a little bit on top, and raised some capital and built on to the next level and got up to about 100 units over five years, all while flipping a lot of houses as well and wholesaling at the same time with our residential division. So pretty busy decade so far.
2: That's great to hear. And we do apartments, vacation, so. Got a lot in common and got a lot of questions for you. So let's talk about your first syndication deal. So did you syndicate that six unit deal?
1: We didn't actually syndicate it. Our first syndication deal was a 25 unit in South Jersey. And we put together four investors who all brought in a hundred thousand each. And we bought a 25 unit for below market value. We took the cash flow from it, kind of put it back into the building. Hired a few management companies. One was stealing money from us. It was a disaster. We had to take them to court. Another one was just really overpromised and underdelivered. So by doing that 25 unit, we learned that sometimes you want something done right. And if you're gonna build a big portfolio in one central location, it makes sense to actually have your own management company. So we developed our own management company through necessity with that first 25 unit. Because like I said, the two management companies we hired, one was bad, the other one was worse. We were like, well if we switch to a third management company and they screw us too, we're gonna look really bad to our tenants in this building so we can go downhill. So We developed our own management company about seven years ago, and that is our competitive edge now today that allows us to really reposition these buildings like a fine-tooth comb, so many moving pieces when you buy a mismanaged apartment building, and you've got to really knock it out of the park for your investors. So relying on other management companies was a risk, I found, and kind of a flaw in the overall syndication model. So we tried to correct that with developing our own management company here. It does limit where we can buy, but we love this North Jersey market, and we do very well here. With this Northeast market.
2: You're really good at proactively answering my questions. <laughs> I was gonna say, oh, well, what are some of the pros and cons of having your own management company? But you answered all of those for me. So we'll talk about the investors instead. So, your first 25 unit deal, you said you had four investors. Who were they, and how did you get them to invest?
1: Well, let's see. One of our first investors, great story. Well, the first monies I raised in real estate was actually for fix and flips. But those investors, I rolled them into buying the apartment buildings over time. Because and the fix and flips weren't successful, right? I would like fail at a fix and flip, and be like, "Here's what I did wrong. Here's how I corrected. I got rid of that partner, and da da da." And they would reinvest me. So I salvaged those relationships. I also wrote checks to the closing table to make sure no one ever lost money as I was learning the business. But what I did is I went to a real estate networking event and I made a beeline for the owner of the event. And I said, let me talk about what I'm doing. I'm learning short sales. I'm getting into a fix and flip. And my topic is going to be fake it till you make it. So I literally did a presentation called fake it till you make it. And it's probably not a very good presentation. By the way, my wife today was in the crowd. I met her that night, ended up marrying her a few years (laughs) later. So just a wild story. The first presentation I did in real estate ended up being, <laughs> I met my wife, but different story. So there were some people in the crowd that were intrigued with what I was doing. And I always enjoyed public speaking. And they saw my passion for this industry and they decided to invest. And that was how I got one investor around a hundred thousand. And another investor was from Seth's network. Actually, he knew a very wealthy individual in New York city that owns his own real estate that he had worked with before in the medical billing industry. So Seth had sold a medical billing company and he knew this doctor. It's a great business to meet doctors. So just because Seth knew him through medical billing and that relationship didn't mean he couldn't convert that trust into investing in us in real estate, even though it was our first syndication. And we really, looking back now, didn't really know what we were doing and had a lot of challenges in front of us. So again, one investor I had messed up with a flip and made good on it. And she decided to reinvest with me. Another guy was a doctor he knew from a whole other industry doing business years earlier and just cultivated that relationship into investing them. And then one was actually some people in Seth's family as well. And then just another investor, but I think it was actually one of Seth's aunts. So luckily Seth was a little older and had a little more capital and had good resources there. So I think actually three out of the four investors were from his network and I brought in one investor as well. And that's why it's so important to have partners that have great networks and complement what you're doing so that you can make sure you raise the capital and have those the resources of private investors that Seth brings in and I bring in as well.
2: So for your first deal, you had about four investors, you said. I mentioned how you found them. That was five years ago, you said? That was back in 2013. And, okay, five, um, yeah. so six, seven years ago. Yeah. How many investors do you have now? Over 30. Over 30 investors. So do you want to talk about how you grew from four to 30? Sure. Well, uh,
1: it was quite a journey. A lot of hard work behind the scenes. And just recently, I have really in the last two years kind of made a, a conscious transition in my business to not only just stop working so much in my business and more on my business, because as any entrepreneur, I get really caught up answering emails, and moving deals. And I've really got to focus on my systems overall. And what's my main goal five years down the road. So in the last two years, really redeveloped our branding system into being more of a thought leader more polished and professional, but also aimed at just high net worth individuals, people in this area, in North Jersey here, there's a lot of wealth and we do events at our office. I have a, an office here in Berkeley Heights and I used to throw a lot of money into fundraising. I go at the, the Hyatt, fancy hotels. I'd put down like $3,000, get everyone dinner and I would do a lot of networking events at, there. And that was great. We raised a lot of capital that way. So we started a real estate networking event. We went on meetup.com. We started New Jersey Real Estate Network. And this was about eight years ago or so as well. And I started raising capital that way. So I would do dinners every month at a hotel and people would come. And I don't think I made any money on the events. I would charge money to get in. I'd have some sponsors. And at certain times, I felt like I was more of an event planner than a real estate investor. But those events really helped us build our brands. I would then go out and speak at other RIAs. Again, I would go to networking events. I'd make a beeline for the owner of that group. And a lot of these guys, they need investors. They need people to come in and speak. They want people to speak at the events. They need a new speaker every month. So even if you're starting, that could be a great story. Talk about your first fix and flip or whatever it is, your first year you're doing. And that's how I would also meet investors. So I would speak at events. I'd be honest. I'd talk about my starting points and then my struggles there, but how I powered through them and made good to my investors. And i built the brand that way. I'd get people to come to my event. I'd feed them dinner, i tell them about what we're doing, and i raise capital. And quite frankly, it was very easy to raise capital for fix and flips. So I kind of got off track for about three or four years with Seth, and we did about 50 fix and flips. We had crazy projects going on, and we kind of got off track with that. But it was a great way to bring in a lot of investors, because people love the idea of getting a first lien position, getting a 12% interest rate, and getting their money back in a year, or they could take the property back. It's a pretty good position. And it's a pretty quick turnover for investors. So we raised a lot of capital that way and flipped a lot of houses and made some money and lost some money. And around 2016 or so, we started to recognize that scaling up a house flipping business is, in my opinion, really not all that profitable. It's not the most profitable part of the business. What's the most profitable part of real estate is being a listing agent or owning apartment buildings, in my opinion. So we realized about two to three years to focus on our apartment building syndication business. As we sold that 25 unit, we made a nice profit, our investors were very happy. And we said, wait a minute, it's actually easier to buy and reposition a 25 unit than it is to flip a dozen houses in a year, and you make the same amount. So What we figured out was we want to really double down on that. And then I changed our brand a little bit to attract longer term investors who are looking for a passive investment. And that's really a different person than the house flipping individuals you meet at RIAs and such. They're looking to be like more hands on. They're looking to really do a quick investment, get in and out, maybe make an interest rate. What works better for us are individuals that are busy working a nine to five. Maybe they're a doctor or a banker or just a high net worth earner or not. They just have an IRA with, with $30,000. They can self-direct into a syndication with us. And they're looking more for a longer term passive investment. It's a different type of investor than the ones you might find in a real estate networking event. So I had to consciously convert my fundraising brand and my fundraising message to attract the right type of investor over the last two years, which has been one of the bigger challenges for me not only raising capital, but figuring out who I want to get in front of, what's that ideal investor I want, and then getting in front of them, whatever that means, Facebook ads, marketing ads, whatever it takes to get in front of that person in the right professional
2: manner, and then know what to say when you finally meet with them. So for the fix and flipper investors, you find those at the meetup groups, like in-person events. And then for these longer term, passive investors, you're finding them through online ads?
1: Correct. Facebook marketing. I do four seminars a month here in my office in Berkeley Heights. I do six webinars a month as well. I teach how to self-direct your IRA. I go over case studies. I go over current offerings we have on buildings. I have realtor events. I have luncheons. I have evening events. We feed you here as well. So I do the, roughly the same seminar twice a week or so, but I, I get all new people coming in to see it. I put different spins on it, but I am just always, always educating fundraiser in the syndication space. It's really just an educator. Now we don't sell education. We don't sell books or CDs. We focus on just selling one product we have here, which is a turnkey investment into New Jersey apartment buildings. But I'm always educating and it's all free. And that's basically how we raise capital. We build relationships with investors. They come to our events. They see us here. They see another 12 or 15 investors here at the luncheons and whatnot. And chance to ask a lot of questions, listen to a 60 minute seminar, And about half the crowd usually decides to fill out a form to move to the next step. And that's a great turnaround, I think, as far as Mm -hmm. sales goes.
2: Yeah, thanks for sharing that. So we focused a lot on the raising money. The other thing I wanted to talk about a little bit more was the property management company. So I'm going to merge that together with the money question. So what is the best ever advice you have for, well, I guess a little bit more context. I know a lot of syndicators will do third party. You mentioned why you don't do third party. But now I want to talk about the how to start your own management company. So what's your best ever advice to an apartment syndicator for starting their own in-house property management company?
1: Basically, that's tough. There's so many moving pieces to a management company. I'd say the first thing is working with a good technology. We do work with Appfolio, which is a very helpful technology. And there's tons of things like that. We feel like Appfolio is one of the best. So we went with that. And that really helped organize our business and allows us to scale up to managing 100 units without having to staff up. It's almost like bringing out a staff member. Secondly, I have a phenomenal property manager. I have a phenomenal employee, Lena Delgado, who does all of our property management. And she's one of those individuals who I think was born to be a property manager. She's so organized. She's so good with the tenants. She's so patient. I couldn't do what she does. It's really hard to be a property manager. It's a thankless job. And there's so much little nitty-gritty detail to it. And of course, tenants are gonna lie to you and break your heart and it's a tough gig. You know, same like working with contractors, like Seth's really good with that, and I'm not. So a good system overall also just not only working with that folio, but working with our systems here in office. When work orders come in, working with the right contractors, that took years. I used to have a really good contractor, then I put them on payroll and started paying them hourly, and all of a sudden the jobs took twice as long and cost me twice as much. So I realized you're actually better off having the contractors as independent contractors. Get multiple quotes. Make sure they understand they're not always going to have a job here. They got to give us good production, good service, and show up on time and get the job done properly. So we have a lot of good boots in the ground. Great contractor relationships here. We got the right small handyman, mid-level handyman, plumber, electrician. Da da da. You got to be your right people for the right thing. And then just the, the small guys too that bring out the garbage and clean the hallways but you have enough units in one place, you have economies of scale. So I can have someone do all that, shovel our walkways when it snows for a lower price because we have a bunch of units in one area and these individuals will work
2: for us for a better price because of that. All right, Aaron, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? I think so. (laughs) Let's do it. But first, a quick word from our sponsor.
0: Groundbreaker helps you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. That's groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe to get a free deal pitch deck template. When it's Friday at 4.30 p.m., it's time for Entrepreneur Drinks podcast, which is co-produced by Joint Ops Properties and Discount Property Investors. Join their end of the work week session as they tackle problems facing entrepreneurs. Listen and subscribe at entrepreneurdrinks.com. That's entrepreneurdrinks.com.
2: All right, Aaron, what is the best ever book you've recently read? That's a tough one. I get that a lot of podcasts. I never really have a good answer. The
1: book i'm reading right now is by mel robbins my wife actually turned me on to her she dragged me to a thing in the city she was doing the other week and i actually enjoyed it and got the book and i've been reading it a little bit so mel robbins is basically a self-help coach and her thing is when you're grounded by anxiety or stress and and there's a lot of stress and pressure being an operator being a syndicator having to raise the money in time find the right deal Mm -hmm. execute on your projections so It's a stressful gig. It's not for everyone. And she does this thing where you count down five, four, three, two, one to get yourself moving in the morning or get yourself not thinking about an issue and just move on. And so it's a lot about just motivating yourself to take action. And one thing I loved about what she said, you'll never feel like doing it. If it's the right thing, you'll love it every day and you'll always feel like doing it. Well, no, that's not it. I love real estate. I love what I do, but there are days that I don't want to be here. It's a tough job. You know, I work 60 hours a week. I got a luncheon on Sunday. I don't want to be here on a Sunday. I want to go be with my family and friends, but I work hard at it and I have a passion for it. So not every day is fun. And that's kind of what she's saying. You just got to go for it. Get yourself moving and just keep that mental focus. And mm-hmm. she suggests countdown from five to four, three, two, one, whenever you're in a spot and you're stagnant to get going.
2: If your business were to collapse today, what would you do next? Well, first of all, I have a ton of real estate equity. So
1: we do stress tests here. How much can the market drop? What if rents just stopped growing? What if this deal didn't work out? So I have a good amount of real estate equity. So everyone's like, well, what if the market drops out? Well, we just buckle down the hatches and keep collecting cash flow. Our business is based on actual holdings of real estate. So I could slow down now and still be okay. The North Jersey real estate market is strong. The demand is strong. If there is such an economic collapse or New York City gets nuked or something and disappears, then we have bigger problems than our real estate values. So whenever people say worst case scenario, what if there's no demand to live around Manhattan anymore? Then I say, well, honestly, where would your stock market be then? What's this terrible, terrible scenario where no one has any money anymore? No one can live around Manhattan. So we do think we're pretty recession resistant mm-hmm. i'm not sure what will cause our business to fall but we don't have to sell any widgets we have the buildings with the cash flow we're not selling coaching we're not selling anything else so really at the end of the day we just have to keep raising capital and buying buildings and if we decide to stop doing that we could just maintain our holdings and maintain
2: our rent growth there a few what is the best ever way you like to give back
1: We give back in a lot of ways. I personally donate about 10% of my income between my church and different things like World Vision and Compassion International, which is great. If you go to their website, you can actually sponsor specific kids in third world countries. It's really crazy stuff. So I love it. It's such a great feeling. I have almost a dozen kids I sponsor between those two things. And then also general here at People's Capital Group, we give back to Mission Clean Water, which brings clean water to Africa and we are a member of three different Rotary Clubs, donate to all the Rotary Clubs and different events they have going on. And we sponsor lots of Rotary events and things like that locally. So
2: big Rotarian here. And then lastly, what is the best ever place to reach you?
1: Our website is peoplescapitalgroup.com and you can check us out there. I have a podcast myself called the Passive Cashflow Podcast. But our website, peoplescapitalgroup.com has information about our business. You can apply to qualify for an upcoming investment opportunity. We actually have buildings people get invested in in the next 30 days. So again, that's our website, peoplescapitalgroup.com to qualify for that investment. Perfect.
2: All right, Aaron, you're packed full of knowledge. I'm going to try to summarize it, but I'm not going to look at everything because you said so much. And again, a lot of solid advice. Everyone who's listening to definitely re listen to this podcast. We talked about raising money and we talked about private management companies. But we first talked about how you got to where you were today. You started off with Rich Dad, Poor Dad. You had made a list of what your goals were. Own $10 million worth of real estate, $1 million net worth. Hundred thousand dollar passive income, and then made your plan of action to get that. Started with your real estate license and fix and flipping, and then moved into syndications. We talked about your first syndication, the twenty five unit with the four investors, and how you had <laughs> issues with your management company, and eventually started your own. You found your first investors from your fix and flips. So this is your first syndication from your fix yeah. and flips, and then your your business partner I had a, a doctor, and then his aunt or someone in his family invested, and then one of them came from your fake it till you make it seminar, which yeah. also resulted in your wife. That's awesome. <laughs> and then we talked about how you grew from four to 30 investors and basically talked about the differences between when are raising money for fix and flips and raising money for syndications. And you realize that the type of person who's interested in investing in fix and flips is different mm-hmm. than the kind of person who's investing in syndications. So you had to redevelop your brand in order to start targeting those people who are interested in longer term, more passive investments, as opposed to the fix and flip investors who are more interested in higher returns, mm-hmm. being active and getting their money back early quickly. So you said that going to meetup groups and REA meetings was good to get fix and flip investors, whereas doing something more personal seminars and webinars and lunch and dinner events, Facebook ads and marketing ads to get the passive investment leads. One thing you did to that thought was interesting was that these meetup groups and REAs are always looking for a new speaker, they need a new speaker every single month or week or however often they're doing it. So just because you haven't done a ton of deals doesn't mean you can't speak at these events. If you've done one fix and flip, offer to talk about your fix and flip, and then that will help you get the ball rolling on your brand. We talked about your property management company, which you started six, seven years ago and your four piece of advice on starting on property management company was one, Make sure you're focusing on technology. So you use the app for app folio helps you scale without having to bring in a bunch of team members. Number two is have a great property management company and the characteristics were organized, patient, and works well with tenants. And your property management company said it was born to be a property manager. We talked about having independent contractors as opposed to having one GC on staff. And then you talked about the advantages of having economy of scale by having a lot of units in one area. So you could have one handyman apply to all properties, one person juggling snow, breaking leaves, and things like that. So again, jam-packed with information, definitely worth the real listen for best of our listeners. Aaron, thank you again for joining us today. Best of our listeners, as always, thanks for listening. Have a best of your day, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you.